Camacho here with another episode of All About the Star right here on the Chop Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, of course, Dave Starcio. I just said that. Uh, why do I sound so upbeat? Uh, I should be just basking in all of my sorrows. And uh, the Dallas Cowboys absolutely threw up a stinker on Sunday. Uh, and I did that. And I watched that nonsense. And I watched all that garbage with my son. So first and foremost, shout out to my son, Miles, who was born last Tuesday. Right, literally, like I said to you guys, as I recorded it on Monday, I said, tomorrow is the day it's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And there it was. There he is. He's he's all he's there. He's all in his glory. And uh, he's a Dallas Cowboy fan. Cowboys Nation actually gained a new member of uh, of the fan base. Now, he I will say this. He slept through the entire game. So technically, if you really want to get technical, he didn't see any of that nonsense. And that's exactly what it was. It was nonsense. The Dallas Cowboys came out flat. Uh, they underestimated the Denver Broncos. They really did. I mean, look, truth be told, when the Broncos started off 3-0, everybody, including myself, were saying, well, they haven't beat anybody. They beat the Jaguars. They beat the Jets. They beat the Giants, right? So everybody's like, ah, well, you know, prove it to me. You know, G- give me give me a little more. Uh, and then the Broncos went out and lost a couple games in a row. And then they get back to 500. So they came into last week a 500 club. They also came into last week a 10-point underdog on the road. Now. Truth be told, and I don't even know how many times I can say truth be told in one one podcast. I don't even know if I've said it enough, right? Watching that game uh, was, first of all, ridiculously horrible in, in every aspect of it. Uh, Dak Prescott did not look like Dak Prescott. Um, I want to say that the defense looked like last year's defense, which is definitely alarming. Um, I also want to say that, you know, coaching from a coaching aspect, it looked like Fangio had us picked out of a lineup right it was it was very it was was, there's a lot of layups and I said this on my other podcast in which I talked about the Cowboys and the Broncos on the Jersey Boys podcast which you can find on the blogging the boys podcast network Uh, I said that Melvin Gordon had the ability to have a game and run all over us it just so happened that Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams both had games against us the rush defense showed their colors uh, from last year this is exactly what it was last year. Nobody could stop the run. Nobody could read a run. Nobody can get off their blocks. It was awful. Watching Leighton Vander Esch kind of go side to side, not knowing where he was at times, reminded me of Jalen Smith. You know, and, and I thought we we got away from that stuff. I thought we got away from the Jalen Smith nonsense of not knowing how to play linebacker. There were a couple shining moments where we got into the backfield. Keon O'Neal made some plays. The defensive line made some plays. Sure, sure. But overall, the Dallas Cowboys – Offense and the Dallas Cowboys defense were just it's hard for me to get behind the idea that we were going to go 16 and one. OK, nobody said that, but nobody also saw the Broncos on the schedule and said, yeah, that's probably one of their losses. OK, the Denver Broncos just traded away Von Miller, their cornerstone of their defense for the last how many years? I mean, going back to the Super Bowl year in which Von Miller should have won MVP. You know what I mean? Like he. He won that Super Bowl. Peyton Manning did not win that Super Bowl. Okay, just like Eli Manning didn't win his Super Bowl with the Giants. I feel like that defense with Von Miller was the defense that just couldn't be, you know, couldn't be scored on. This defense traded away Von Miller. So right away, what do the Cowboy fans do, including myself? Wow, can't believe this. You traded away your best defensive player right before the game. How convenient, how gracious of you. That means everybody else played well. Okay. I believe his name is Justin Simmons. Okay. Keep your eye on him for the rest of your lives. He's one of the better secondary guys in football. Okay. 
they have themselves a decent defense. They have themselves a decent game-managing quarterback, Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Bridgewater, who nobody even took serious going into this week. He connected with Tim Patrick more times than I can count, more times than my kid spit up during the game, okay? This this was atrocious. And the fact that it wasn't a guy like Cortland Sutton. Jerry Judy caught a couple balls where you knew he was going to use, you know, put on the afterburners, but Tim Patrick had himself a game, and he's been that slot receiver, that that number two, number three guy this entire year. And even last year when Sutton went down, who got all those reps? That was Tim Patrick, and he did wonderful. And he played, and he bitch-slapped the Dallas Cowboys in every way you could possibly do that. Now, where do I see this team? Where do I see what goes forward? Look, you're allowed to be mad as a Dallas Cowboy fan. You're allowed to be pissed off. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to just start thinking the wheels might fall off this team. But again. There's been too many times, there's been way too many times that a lot of the word, a lot of times the word special was tossed out, right? A lot of times you would think this Dallas Cowboys team is special, right? So maybe, just maybe, this is just a bump in the road. You know, my dad says it all the time. The Cowboys get blown out on national TV once a year. Once a year. Look back at all the teams, all the teams. Not so much last year. Last year was like a, an anomaly because we had nobody playing for us. But every year, no matter how good they are, they have this stinker of a game where everybody sees it. Yesterday, the Dallas Cowboys, and I don't know how this happened considering the Giants were home and were on at the same time. The Dallas Cowboys were in the New York market, right? I brought my whole family over. One, because obviously the baby, we don't want to travel with the baby. But one, you know, I brought the whole family over because I thought the Cowboys are going to just be on direct TV like every other time they're not on national television. Next thing you know, direct TV tells me your, your game is blacked out. I'm like, what? What? How, how is that possible? But well, here we are. We're on Fox, right? National TV. We get Burkhart and we get Greg Olson to call the game. And then obviously the rest is history. Was there any bright spots? Can I can I pull out any positives out of this game? Sure, I can. Micah Parsons. He is as advertised. He has played out of his mind the entire season. He's played fantastic football every week, week in and week out. This kid balls out. Okay. He is an absolute stud. And there's no denying that. But sometimes that's not that's not enough. You can't have one guy making plays and everybody else kind of shit in the bed. Can't do it. Sorry. So the Dallas Cowboys now find themselves at six and two. Lucky for us, you know, yes, the the New York football giants got a win over the Las Vegas Raiders, who are just in the news for the wrong reasons too many times in the last couple of weeks. Um, but the Philadelphia Eagles drop one, an AFC opponent, of course. So it doesn't sting as much as a team. But you look at those standings, and now you have three teams behind the Dallas Cowboys with six losses. Six. The Cowboys have two. So now you look at it like this. Six and two. They have eight games. They have nine games to play on their schedule. It's basically the second half of the season starts now, right? In those nine games, the Cowboys have to find five wins. Five. Meaning that would give them 11 wins. 11. And that means a couple of those Games will give them division wins, right? If the Cowboys can get to 11 wins, they will be the NFC's champions. Period. Stop. The four seed at the very least. I know that I've talked to RJ Cho, who produces and writes for Blogging the Boys. He's the editor-in-chief over there. He said, don't get that four seed because you will be playing and hosting the loser of the NFC West, which could possibly be the Rams, the Cardinals, even the Seattle Seahawks. The, uh, you never know with, with Russ coming back. You don't know what kind of surge they can go on. You don't want to be the four. You want to be the three. So the Dallas Cowboys have themselves nine games left. 
in which I think in order for them to have the three seed or higher, they got to win 12 games. Now, I know a lot of people are like, well, they can go 14 and two, uh, 14 and three, or they can go 15 and two. I'm no longer looking like that anymore. I can't do it because if they can throw up a stinker about, you know, against the Broncos, they can do it against the Falcons. They can do it against the Giants. They can do it against the Washington football team. Those those games, they can happen still. So I'm not I'm not going off anymore of saying, oh, the sky's still the limit. I'm not saying that anymore. Get me 11. Get me 12. OK, that will at least get you the division title in a home game in January in the playoffs. OK, give me 13, give me 14. And then you're looking in the realm of maybe you get a buy. Maybe you are the one seed. Who knows? The NFC is stacked right now. Absolutely stacked. So, again, there's going to be times where, you know, you're worried. You're, you, you, the Cowboys lost a bad game. They lost a very bad game the other day. And it's got Cowboys fans and the entire Cowboys nation shooketh. They do. They're shook, but I think they bounce back this week. Today on the podcast, I'm going to be able to be joined by Will McFadden. Will McFadden is a writer for the Falcoholic. He's also the uh, the podcast host for the Falcons podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Now, if you remember, I talked to a member of uh, Mr. Pierce over in New England uh, the, the week before. I mean, yeah, the week leading up to the New England game. So now I'm going to give Mr. McFadden a chance to talk to me and talk to you guys about what to expect out of the Atlanta Falcons. Now, the Falcons are feeling themselves a little bit. They just won a really good game against a really good team. I mean, like, the, the Saints defense is good. I mean, yes, are they down Jameis Winston? That's huge. I We know we as Cowboys Nation know all about, all about losing that quarterback. Okay, we know all about that. So, Trevor Simeon, was he enough? He wasn't enough. Matty uh, Ice, he, he got gritty. He even shook one guy right out of his ankles. Okay. Matt Ryan is playing good football. The Atlanta Falcons, who I had, according to the Chop Sports podcast, when we made our season predictions, I had them winning two games, two. They proved me wrong big time. And I don't know if they win anymore, so maybe they possibly go 4-13. and 13. Who knows? But they're 4-4 four and four right now, and they're feeling themselves. All right? They are feeling good. And now you want an extra, you know, uh, uh, slap in the face? They're nine-point underdogs heading into Dallas. What Vegas has on this game is beyond me. I understand the Falcons can't run the ball, but Corderell Patterson is a Swiss Army knife that I, that worries me. Kyle Pitts, a tight end, worries me. Justin Gate, like, guys, Tim Patrick just caught a bunch of balls from Teddy Bridgewater. This is Matt Ryan, whose leaps and bounds career is way better than Teddy Bridgewater. So let's not go nuts. Let's not think that the Cowboys are going to run away with this one. And Vegas, sure as shit, should not made us nine-point favorites. I hate that. I hated the 10-point favorite against the Broncos. I hated that, too. So. Again, we'll be joined by Will McFadden. We'll talk about it. We'll make our predictions. And, of course, after that, we'll come back. We'll wrap this up. We'll put a bow on it. And, of course, we will uh, obviously do our plugs, and we'll call it a day. So we will be right back after this message. And, of course, we will be joined by Will McFadden of the Falcoholics. What's going on, guys? This is Sturge, and I got a question for you. Have you ever dreamt about flipping a house or buying an investment property? I know I have. There's a reason why house flipping is out of reach for most people, and that's because of a lack of information. Flipping Made Easy is for people like you who feel drawn to the world of house flipping, but they don't have a clue as to where to start. Check out FlippingMadeEasy.com. Here, you'll find comprehensive and easy-to-understand information about every stage of the house flipping process. You'll receive access to millions of houses ripe with flipping potential. Hundreds of expert guidance explained through research articles and easy-to-understand video content. And thousands of vendors for all of your house flipping needs. Subscribe to FlippingMadeEasy.com and become part of the flipping community. 
Right now, if you use the promo code CHOP, you'll receive a free t-shirt and a 30-day, that's right, 30-day money-back guarantee. That's FlippingMadeEasy.com. What's going on, guys? This is Sturch, and I'm here to let you guys know about some new happenings with Joe Pizzamenti of Attitude of Gratitude Consulting. This time around, I want to bring you guys up to speed on some of the amazing health and wellness products. These products focus on providing happiness for people bringing out the four happy hormones in our body. That right away makes me happy. These products aid weight loss, sleep, mental clarity, and energy, just to name a few. They have even created your morning coffee to get your day started off right. That's not all, guys. Joe is in a giving mood, so now if you mention Shop Sports, he's going to provide you with a free discounted private travel website that you can use to book your travel needs. Even better, if you become a customer of Joe's, he's going to give you guys a travel voucher that you can use for up to a year and are only responsible for airfare and taxes. Visit attitudeofgratitudellc.com for more information. Welcome back to All About the Star right here on the Chop Sports Podcast Network. Of course, I am joined by my guest at this time. He is a writer for the Falcoholic. He is also the host of the Falcons podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, Will McFadden, I don't know how to address you yet. Are you an enemy? Are you an ally? I'm not sure yet. We're going into a really big week here. The Cowboys are desperate to bounce back from a really dreadful, dreadful game against Denver. But I want to say you're probably feeling yourself considering your location right now. Oh, yeah, man. Atlanta sports. We're uh, we're having a we're peaking. We're peaking in 2021. We got. Yeah, the Braves coming off a World Series. Georgia football's number one. The Hawks had a big run to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals last year, and they have high expectations. But then we've got the Falcons. Four and four, chance to go back on the uh, right side of the win-loss column for the first time, I think, since 2017. So this is a big week for Falcons fans and the wider Atlanta sports area. Ah, yes, 2017, <laughs> the time that the Cowboys went to Atlanta and we uh, our, uh, our lovely Chaz Green decided to give up about 15 sacks that on Zach Prescott to the Atlanta yeah. Falcons. <laughs> so, so clearly those are great <laughs> memories for me. Uh, but I will ask you right off the rip, you know, the, the Falcons are 4-4 four and four right now, and you would assume that they're feeling themselves a little bit considering the fact a great come from behind, you know, they had the game in hand, and then the Fal- you know Ooh. the Saints yeah. decided to, to make it a game. Technically, but of course, yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a, technically it's a comeback <laughs> win. Uh, but coup and, and company get the job done. What is your overall like? It's very easy to say, like if your team is right now, you guys are eight games in. So if you're one and seven, it's very easy to say, like, it's a lost year. If you're seven and one, you're feeling yourself right now. You guys are four and four. Where do you feel like this team can go right now? Considering the division they're in, considering the rest of the schedule. How do you, you know, how do you, you know, analyze the 2021 Atlanta Falcons right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's all about context, right? The Falcons started one and three and are now three and one since. So your your first four, the, Dan Quinn would always talk about the season in, in quarters. Now, obviously, with 17 games, that screws up all of that math. But right. essentially, you're, you're looking at, all right, the first four games, second four games, and you want to just be able to come out of a four-game block with more wins than losses. Or, I, you know, at, at the floor, just be two and two. Um, so the Falcons feel like they're in a much better place now because the momentum is starting to build. The one loss came against Carolina uh, in probably like the ugliest game that the Falcons had played since their season opener to Philly. And granted, a lot of the wins um, were coming against bad teams. Miami, uh, the the Jets, the Giants. I mean, Listen, those, they're those your, are they're on your schedule. They're on your schedule. They, they they're are not. on the schedule. Right. But that's why I think the Saints, things feel different now after the Saints win. And granted, 
Trevor Simeon is, is not, you know, Drew Brees and he's not Jameis Winston, but he beat Tom Brady. <laughs> that same team beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the, the week before. And so what Atlanta did, I don't think is a fluke. And, uh, you know, that's what Dallas is another huge opportunity because it's going to be really weird to kind of look at the, this Falcons team losing to uh, Washington and Carolina if then they can turn right around and knock off New Orleans and Dallas, both of which would come on the road. So we're starting to see what this Falcons team is made of, but the momentum is on their side. And I think the team has the right mindset, which is incremental improvement each week, focus on the next game and kind of let all the noise stay on the outside. Now, obviously, you've been covering the Falcons for a long time, and there's been times where I've went public with this uh, as far as watching Matt Ryan play football this year in 2021. There was times where I'm just like, the guys, it's, 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 it's time. You know, it's time for him to just kind of chalk it up, say, I'm done. It's not going to work anymore. But then there's been times he's shown he's Matty Ice. You know what I mean? So what is your your overall analysis on Matt Ryan at a 4-4 four and four record? Do you feel like, based off the rest of your schedule, and you got Dallas coming up this week, that's why we're talking. But, like, you're, you're looking at, you know, the rest of the schedule, and you're looking at Matt Ryan with the weapons that he has around him, and we'll get into those in a second. But, like, overall, are you confident that Matt Ryan is the leader of this team going forward for at least the rest of this year? Oh, absolutely. For the rest of the year, for sure. I mean, he's we're seeing the team isn't where they are right now without Matt Ryan. And I know that Corderell Patterson is getting a lot of the love, and I'm sure we'll talk about him in a minute. But really, this this is Matt Ryan's offense. And you're, you're looking at an offseason in which Julio Jones uh, was traded from the organization. He really hasn't had Calvin Ridley on the field uh, very much at all. He's learning a new offense. Kyle Pitts is is still kind of he's getting better. He's really showing a lot of flashes. Uh, but outside of those two games, he he isn't dominating. But that's fine. I mean, it, rookies take time, and he's been a big impact to this offense. But Matt Ryan is really doing a lot, and it's as locked in as I've seen him play in, in a while. And that's not to say that he doesn't approach every single game the the same way. He's a true professional in that sense, but. You can just tell it, it like it, he cares so much in these games. That Saints game, he made a few plays with his legs where you're looking at a 36, 37 year old quarterback who was never really the most mobile, but he's juking Mario Davis and making him fall down to get a first <laughs> down. I mean, these on the seasons that the Falcons have had kind of their most success, you see Matt Ryan take his play from a kind of a competitive standpoint up a notch. And I feel like he senses blood in the water a little bit this year and, and knows how rare an opportunity is for them to be four and four. And he's looked as locked in um, this season from kind of a decision-making standpoint and just extending plays when he has to, you know, taking chances when, when he can. Um, I mean, he's playing as well as I've seen him and that's including kind of 2016, 2017. Uh, he looks every bit as good uh, as those seasons. Now, you said it before, they've been beating up on some bad teams. And so have the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, look, the Cowboys are 6-2. and two. They're going into this game with a lot of wins over some bad teams. And the same goes for the Atlanta Falcons sitting at 4-4. Four and four. Um, But do you think that now Matt Ryan, the defenses that he's been facing, uh, when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, what are the biggest things that you take away from the Dallas Cowboy defense and what differences Matt Ryan's are going to have to make there they might be juking out a couple guys but there have been a couple guys that have been relentless and we're talking about you know you talked about Kyle Pitts being a rookie our rookie over there on the defensive side of the ball is is on pace to become defensive rookie of the year as of right now unless somebody gets shot out of a cannon in the next half of the season uh Micah Parsons has been an absolute terror for opposing quarterbacks besides Parsons obviously 
what poses <laughs> the biggest threats to, to Matt Ryan? Um, well, it, this is this is super interesting, right? Because the the Falcons are going to have a big advantage um, from a scheme standpoint, and by that I mean specifically with Matt Ryan. He's for the last four or five years in practice every single day for periods gone up against Dan Quinn defenses. I mean, he he is going to know as much about this scheme and the I know that that there were some stories and reporting uh throughout the offseason about Dan Quinn kind of taking some time off, stepping back, re-evaluating his uh kind of approach to the game and defense and making some tweaks and and Mike McCarthy also did kind of the same thing when he got out of coaching for a little bit there. So it's not going to be 100% the same, but I have to believe that by and large, like 75% of the the ingredients in that soup are the exact same as they were here in Atlanta. It's going to be the personnel stuff that that the offense is going to have to adjust to. And Mike Parsons has been awesome this year. He's such a, a fun player to watch. And it's somebody who in Atlanta, you know, when we were talking about and looking forward to the draft, we sat here saying, man, Dan Quinn would love a guy like Micah Parsons. That's just the type of athletic player that he likes who can go all over the field and do everything. Um, but there are also some familiar faces in Dallas. Keanu Neal, DeMonte Casey. Matt Ryan's going to have opportunities here because he's going to know some of the tendencies of the safeties and he's going to know the scheme. Now, I, I do think that the pass rush, particularly with Micah Parsons, if he is involved in that way, um, could could get to Matt Ryan. There have been some games where the offensive line um, has struggled in kind of waves and the Cowboys, I think, can get sacks in waves and that really can throw off an offense. Then outside of that, I know Trayvon Diggs has been, uh, it seems like a little more polarizing than somebody with uh, seven interceptions. Does he still have seven or is it eight now? I don't know. Just seven um, at this point. He's stuck on seven. Yeah, it's, <laughs> exactly. It's But he's, I know that he's kind of been giving up some big plays. He's been getting called for some penalties, things like that. So if it's a good Trayvon Diggs game for you guys, uh, then then it's going to be really tough. Because like I said, the offense has really relied on Matt Ryan. So the key to beating this Falcons team for the defense is just don't let Matt Ryan beat you um, and really focus on, on shutting him down and then make the Falcons earn it the hard way on the ground. And they've not been good running the ball uh, this year. Yeah. Statistically, I think they're in, they are in the bottom, uh, bottom, you know, pits uh, is sorry, not Kyle Pitts, however, but they are in the bottom uh, realm of the rushing attack. And that goes to show you like just how much Matt Ryan has done, considering that every team to me, I think to be a successful team in the NFL, you need a running game. You absolutely need a running game. I don't care who you are. And I think the bills, like a team like the bills are starting to figure that out. Like they don't have an actual <laughs> running game and they're starting to slip up a little bit. You know what I mean? So it's, it, you can't just rely on one arm in Josh Allen. I say that the same about Matt Ryan, but I look at Matt Ryan and I see that there's a fantastic story in Corderell Patterson. This kid has finally, finally found his niche. We've been all waiting for it as football fans in general, finally waiting for where does this guy fit in? And I think he finally fits in this offense where he is your legitimate. I know there's this term gets thrown out a lot, but I think he defines it. He is the Swiss army knife. You know what I mean? Like he is the guy that could play multiple positions, whether running the ball, catching the ball, even in the return game, if they really needed it. You know what I mean? Like he's been this all around great player. Do you think Corderell Patterson is enough for the ground game? Not just specifically against the Cowboys itself. And of course we'll, you know, we'll predict the game in a minute, but like overall, can you ride? I mean, Mike Davis is there. Yes. He was a serviceable running back in, in, in uh, Carolina where he really filled the hole for uh, Christian McCaffrey, but like, could Patterson be the guy that you 
form this offense around, you know, like he's not the bruiser, obviously he's not going to go knocking people down, but he is a finesse dude. And he's, he's making some serious waves this year. Well, he, it's almost, it's almost kind of like, um, Arthur Smith and he gave a lot of credit to, uh, I believe it was Charles London and uh, Dave Ragone who were in Chicago with uh, Cordell Patterson last year and basically really advocated uh, for what he could be in this offense. And they said, look, you know, they, they didn't use him necessarily the right way. We know how we can use him, bring him here. You're going to want him on your team. And uh, that's a, that's a big credit to kind of the voices that Arthur Smith is, is willing to listen to. And then in the front office, Terry Fontenot, um, agreeing to, to bring in somebody because, and I agree with this, Arthur Smith said he's probably the most valuable player in the NFL right now based on the size of their contract and their production on the field. Um, yeah. I mean, they, it is it is absolutely the greatest value um, from a production standpoint. But in terms of just being a pure running back, he's got the size. Like he's a big, he's 6'2", six, 6'3", six, like 215. Like he's got the size there and, and he runs really hard. That's the thing that, you know, I, I'm sure you'll notice on Sunday, just when he has the ball in his hands, he runs like a kick returner. Like he runs right. like he believes that every hole he's going to hit is going to be the hole and he's going to be off to the races. Mm -hmm. And that's just really fun. And it's energizing as a fan when you're just watching, even if it's a three yard run, it, you kind of feel like it was more than that because the dude just looked like he really cared and wanted right. to get a 17 yard run. Right, um, right. So that's what it's been. But the production has not necessarily come on the ground. Yes, he's getting the carries and the Falcons are doing a really deliberate job of kind of splitting the carries very evenly with Mike Davis and Cordero. I mean, uh, there have been many, many times you'll look back at the box score and each of them has like 10 carries in a game. It's like, oh, you right. guys are actually like 10 to 10. Um, so they're splitting it, but it's the explosive pass plays that Corderell Patterson has had. He obviously had the one at the very end of the game um, against the Saints. That's 64-yard play that essentially won the game for the Falcons. But he had one early in the first quarter. It was the same exact play, uh, and it was a 35-yard catch down the sideline. So it's his impact as a receiver that's really been the way that he has um, helped the Falcons the most so far this year, even though everybody's talking about him as a running back. He is that true Swiss Army knife, um, and they line him up all over the field. And Arthur Smith loves to utilize different personnel groupings uh, to really confuse defenses. And you'll see that on Sunday as well. Oh, we're going to see a whole lot of stuff on Sunday. But let's flip over <laughs> to the other side of the ball. How confident are you now that Dallas Cowboys stalled out completely last week? They looked like uh, I haven't seen a team play that bad in quite some time. And it, chalk it up to either Dak Prescott being rusty off the calf or just, just can't get things going. Obviously, Tyron Smith more than likely you'll be missing another game. So right away, it's giving me flashbacks of 2017. <laughs> so, you know, like uh, the time where you're just like, oh my God, we have a backup here. He's projecting Dak Prescott. Uh, but when you look at the Falcons defense, you obviously play the some of the upper echelon offenses in the league, meaning AKA Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady in the, in the Bucks, And of course, you know, the Saints, when they're on, they're on, you know, it's Alvin right. Kamara is an explosive back. So you do play a lot of these high explosive offenses within your season every year. But do you look at the Dallas Cowboys as maybe your toughest offensive opponent so far? And, and it includes the Buccaneers. Um, I, I put them right there with the Buccaneers. And, and I do that uh, for a specific reason. Offensively, I mean, they can just throw so many different things at you. Uh, and whether it's it's Tampa Bay, you've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Bryant, any of the running backs, uh, you know, any of their tight ends. 
in Dallas, it's CD Lamb, it's Mari Cooper. Uh, Michael Gallup, I believe, is going to be back for this game. His first game back. Full practice as you listen to this on a Wednesday. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday, it's full practice, yeah. There you go. So, um, And then Dalton Schultz now getting in the mix. I don't know why Tony Pollard isn't a bigger part of this offense. I feel like every single – like he's the guy on the offense that kind of scares me the most on any one given play with the ball in his hands. Um, And then Zeke, of course. So it's like they're the only offenses – um, yeah, there are a couple, but it, it's that old chiefs thing where it was just, there's so many things that they could throw at you on any given play. How do you guard it all? So it's a really interesting test. The best matchup as has been kind of the best matchup for the Falcons defensively, uh, for most of the games this year is probably going to be AJ Terrell on whoever he's guarding. It'll, I think it'll be CD lamb. I don't know. Just in my, in my mind, like I can just see that happening a lot on Sunday is mm-hmm. 88 versus 24. Um, and so I, I think that that's going to be really interesting to watch, but AJ against any of these, uh, wide receivers, because he is truly becoming a shutdown corner for the Falcons in his second year. I know Trayvon Diggs again, like it's two second year corners who are really breaking out so far. Um, but AJ has been more of the, not the, the ball Hawk that Trayvon's been, he's been more of the play in play out. Like I'm shutting down your opposing receiver. Um, and then on the other side, Fabian Moreau has been quietly really solid for Atlanta so far this year. It's more the run defense that I would worry about, um, for the Falcons. They, they have been just giving up big play after big big play on the ground. Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara were just breaking off, you know, consistent, like six to nine yard runs. Uh, so I think Zeke and, and Tony Pollard on the ground, this could be a big game. Uh, for you guys there and then maybe give Dak a little bit more of an easier game plan to kind of get his feet back under him um, and get in command of this offense. That's what I would look for uh, and let the ground game lead the way because that's where the Falcons have been surprisingly the most vulnerable on defense so far this year. All right. Well, here's the deal. Las Vegas has us for whatever reason, even off a stinker like we just had against the Broncos. Las Vegas has us as nine point favorites in this ball game. I saw that. Yeah, that's big. I, that's crazy. I, I I hate it. I don't think there's any merit to it. I don't understand it. But then again, I can never figure out Las Vegas. I never understand like where they come up with some of these numbers. Like even last week when when Dallas went in ten point favorites, I'm like, but why? You know, like the the Broncos aren't are, are not like the bottom feeders of the league. They are a little bit fraudulent when it comes to, you know, their 3-0 start and everybody thinks they're going to be world beaters and then they drop off the face of the earth for a couple weeks, which I get that happens, but they still have some key players. I look at the Falcons as a better overall team than the Broncos. Like, so how the spreads are so high, I don't understand, but I'll leave this to you. The Dallas Cowboys host the Atlanta Falcons in week 10. Give me your score prediction. How do you see this playing out realistically? I know the fanhood always kind of always trumps, you know, the the actual turnout of the game. But where do you see the Falcons in this game against the Cowboys? Um, well, first off, I, th- I think you're uh, you shouldn't think that the Falcons are a better team overall than the Cowboys. I still think that the Cowboys no, no, no. are well, a better, no, no. Team. better, better, better overall team than the Broncos. Oh, the Broncos, Broncos. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Good. That's, I was, like, <laughs> I was like, well, okay. Um, no Broncos. Sure. Sure. That's it. That's good. The thing though, that, that the Broncos did that I don't think the Falcons will be able to do is run the ball just right down Dallas throat. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think the Falcons have that type of run game. Uh, so that would be a huge red flag defensively for you guys. If the Falcons do run the ball right down, uh, your throat. Um, I think that it's going to be a close game. I think that the nine point spread is insane. 
Um, because it, the one thing the Falcons have been able to do is keep games close all year long, win or lose. Uh, that Tampa Tampa game was the only one that kind of looks bad, but that was two pick sixes in the fourth quarter by Matt Ryan. Um, I think it's going to be like a 32-30 game, and I, I do think Dallas will get it because I think Dallas is just the better team. Um, but I do expect this to be uh, really close either way. It wouldn't shock me if the Falcons find a way to, again, kind of, grit out one of these close games where young way maybe is kicking the game winner at, at the last second again. But just, I think if you're playing this simulation a hundred times out, Dallas is winning 82 of those. Uh, I okay. think that Dallas is just a better, te- better team. So it'll be close, but I'll say 32, 30 Dallas. 30 points. You're going to hang on the Dallas defense, huh? All right. Well, listen, that that's not, listen, that's not too bold considering what we just watched the, the, the Broncos do. So yeah, like- I, I'm, I'm firm control. Now I will say this. The last time Dak Prescott had a stinker like this was against the Colts where the Cowboys were shut out. Okay. The Cowboys were absolutely shut out in a game. I believe it was 2018. The the game after that, Dak Prescott threw for five touchdowns. Okay. (laughs) So I think that Dak has this Mamba Kobe Bryant mentality right now where he just thinks it's it's him against the world. Uh, I think, I do think he has one of these bigger games for himself. Uh, I will give the Cowboys, which is kind of weird that you said 30, uh, 32. I have them at 33. I got the Cowboys <laughs> winning this game 33-24. So it's going to be close, but I firmly believe that the Falcons can score points, uh, three touchdowns for that matter, and make me like tear my hair out during the game and just make <laughs> me go absolutely insane. I do think the Cowboys get this one. I think it's a get-back-to-normal game for them. But th- I'm telling you, there's something about these Falcons right now that are really – overachieving what I thought going into the season. I uh, Truth be told, and then you probably hate me for this, I had the Falcons winning two games this year. Two. Wow. Like I, that's... I did not. I looked at that <laughs> team as a whole, and this is before the Patterson stuff. This is like, I'm like, oh, that's great, Kyle Pitts, but you want to yeah. trade Julio Jones. Who else are you going to throw the ball to? I had this mentality that it just wasn't going to happen, but Matt Ryan is showing that he still has that grit, and he still has that poise to lead a team to a, a fantastic win like they did against you know New Orleans last week. The, the games will get easier. It'll slow down for him uh, at some points. I think the Cowboys can bring a little bit more of a rush than the, than the you know the, uh, the, the Saints could, uh, but it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. But, Will, my guy, I want to thank you for joining in, uh, All About the Star. I almost said Inside the Star. It's another podcast. <laughs> all About the Star here on the Chop Sports Podcast Network. I know it's on the screen, but for audio people, where can people find your work? Because obviously – you seem like a smart guy. You seem like you know what you're talking about. So where can people find your work? <laughs> well, that's <bro>? good. <laughs> um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. Um, you can read any of my written stuff at the Falcoholic. Uh, and then twice a week, me and uh, former Falcons fullback Ovi Mahaley have uh, our podcast on uh, Believe in Falcons, B-L-E-A-V. And you can get that Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but this was awesome, Dave. Thank you so much for having me on. As long as there are no onside kicks uh, being kicked on Sunday, <laughs> I will probably enjoy the experience. It's always fun when I, the Falcons and, and Cowboys meet up. I I still don't quite understand. Um, <laughs> I remember obviously I remember the game like it was yesterday. I don't think I, me and my brother and my father were like I've never acted the way we acted after that game was over. But I just like I I, I I'm like why. Wouldn't anybody just go fall on the ball? I don't. I don't get it. Like, why? Why are we waiting for this thing to develop? <laughs> so, uh, I had know. to write the the game recap of, of that oh. game, so I was just sitting there. That I was like, what do I? What do I write? What do I do? I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, it's crazy. I, listen, 
I'm with you on that one. I was completely befuddled and clueless after that one. I was like, we that we had no business winning that game. So, but then truth yeah. be told, that was like one of the last highlights we had of of, of 2020. <laughs> so <laughs> after that, Dak Prescott goes down, and the rest is history. But dude, Will, thank you so much for joining me, man. And uh, again, good luck to your Falcons. I mean that with no sincerity whatsoever. Uh, but again. <laughs> Good luck. Have fun. And obviously, good luck the rest of the way. Thanks, Dave. You too. You got it. All right. We want to thank Will McFadden for joining the All About the Star podcast. Again, this is great to reach out to other writers. I mean, it's just for me, I know it's technology. And I know you can talk to anybody at, at any point, anywhere. But for me to just like talk to a guy in Georgia right now about the Dallas Cowboys Atlanta Falcons game, that's still pretty cool to me. I guess call me old school. I don't know. Uh, but obviously, we just gave our predictions. He thinks the Cowboys will get this one. He thinks it'll be a lot closer to what people think. He thinks the nine-point spread is a joke, and so do I. Um, but, again, my score will dictate different things. I think the Cowboys win this game 33-24, so that actually puts that nine number right there. But I don't think that gets away. like that. that it doesn't meet the number until the end of the game. You know, like there's, there's one more touchdown, a put-away touchdown. Cowboys up two or something like that, and they score a touchdown. Now they're up nine, and that's the game. You know, that, that's how I see it going. Dak Prescott's got to get on his game again. I think Prescott's got this Mamba mentality. I think he's got this, this moxie to him where it will work. It will He will come back. He will respond. He will make sure he makes the plays himself to get this job done. And the Dallas Cowboys move on to 7-2, and two, heading into their date with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, that's where, that's where I think it's going. I've been wrong before. We've all been wrong with the Broncos game. This game can absolutely get away from us again, in which, yes, then the people will start to say the sky is falling. Anybody who's saying that now off of one Broncos game, I want to say you're you're probably just you're you're a little too ahead of yourself. I think everything's going to be okay. Now, if the Cowboys throw out another stinker and they can't seem to do anything at home where they were averaging 40 points a game and they don't do nothing against a team that really can't stop anybody on the ground. And I don't know what to tell you, man. I there may be some there's some merit to this uh, beating bad teams and then playing decent teams and choke. I don't know. I don't know. My hands are not totally up in the air yet. Prove it to me. Give me this special feeling back in my bones and in my soul, the Dallas Cowboys, to try to ride this one out and, and, and get that win and get a little bit of their, quote, mojo back going into a very big contest in which it was touted about a million times when the schedule came out. Dak versus Mahomes. Was it going to happen? Is Dak going to be back? Blah, 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 blah. It's back. That's the premier matchup. This right here is your trap game. Last week was not a trap game because you're not looking forward to the Falcons. Now the Cowboys might be looking forward to the Chiefs. I don't think that's the case. I still want to throw that super S word around. This Dallas Cowboys team is special. We will see you guys next week. Let's go, Cowboys. Thank you guys so much for listening and, and, and subscribing. The numbers are up every week. I really appreciate you guys doing this and, and believing that I can take a Cowboys podcast to the moon by myself. All right? So thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Hopefully, the Dallas Cowboys will be 7-2. and two. Take care, everybody. God bless.